Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm always slow to it. Oh, man. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Callen. With me, of course, are my two pals, my friends, my confidants. The other, well, no, they're not the other, but they are the Alliance guys. I'm talking about Jaden and DKM. Welcome to the show, fellas. What's going on, Jaden? Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've been around helping Dr. Zaccone promote the next Dangerous Drill in the Wrestling Gladiators event on Sunday night, August 27th, the MexFit Sports Center, located 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown Glassboro, New Jersey. You know, just trying to get the uh, the word out there. And, you know, I'm the, uh, you, myself, and DK are the original Alliance guys, the OG Alliance guys, OGAG. OGAG. We should get shirts made. Yeah, nobody will buy them. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm here to talk about the National Wrestling Alliance, and I actually watched NWA USA today, this week. Well, in about an hour ago. USA, USA, USA. Well, D- DKM will have to lead the conversation on USA because your boy Jay didn't get an opportunity to watch USA this week. Jay! I know, right? Man. And you know what? I'm going to be honest, it actually looked kind of good, too, and I just, I didn't have time. Kind of? Yeah. DKM, how are you doing, my my good friend? Well, I'm here. What more do you want from me? That's a big improvement. I showed up. That's a big improvement, because as far as I've known, DK's never been here. I've been there. Been around the block once in a while, so, you know, I got that going for you. Um, I do want to say what's up to our pals who are in the chat, all all like 150 of you. Just kidding. But Dodie's in the house, and Devin's in the house, and Willie's in the house, and and I think that's about it. But, hey, I do appreciate you guys being here, uh, joining us in the chat, in the live chat. Of course, we're here every Thursday to talk to you about NWA Power and all things associated with the National Wrestling Alliance. And we're going to get to power in a little bit. We'll also talk USA, of course, how DKM and Jane will be talking about that. I'm going to actually leave the room and let them discuss the show so I don't spoil it for myself. Just kidding, guys. I'm not really going to leave. Um, You'll but never let's, watch it. Okay. <laughs> that's not – That's you know what? That's not true. I will watch it. But, hey, can we can we talk for a minute about the card that's starting to shape up for the 74th anniversary show? I – I'm actually surprised that we've gotten this much card with two weeks left, but then maybe I'm not that surprised when I look at the ticket sales and, and there's still a lot more tickets to be sold. Uh, Jane, are you familiar with the uh, card yet for night one of the 74th anniversary show? Nope. <laughs> DK, which 
Do you, are you familiar with the night one card thus far? I was actually talking about it not very long ago. Hey, James, what's going on? Yeah, so I, I'm i actually quite familiar with it because I've been following the Twitter of one National Wrestling Alliance. Sometimes my pal Bobby Petito, who's in this chat every once in a while, he, uh, he'll he'll uh, clue me into some of the press releases that are popping out. But the night one is starting to shape up. It looks like it's going to be a fun a fun night of the wrestling. Of course, we know Trevor Murdoch is defending the 10 pounds of gold on night number two. We know they're crowning the uh, junior, or excuse me, the uh, U.S. tag team titles on night number two. But on night number one, uh, you know, and this isn't in any particular order because they don't really have a, a rundown of the actual show, but... What they've announced so far is we know that uh, Matt Cardona returns. You know, always ready is going to be eventually ready, and he'll be ready for uh, night one, August 27th, when he faces Cardona's choice. Don't know what that means. I don't know who that is. Uh, I'm not privy to any of that information. Uh, Any guesses, Jaden, who Matt Cardona might be facing on night one? Uh, Yeah, the shadow. The shadow knows. Yeah, the shadow. That's that's he was in the background, right? <laughs> I thought that was vacant. Oh no, vacant is. Um, he's been winning championships forever now, and he never defends them, but he always wins them. I don't like Cardona was NWA champion. Oh what was shit! That? What was that, DK? I said in every organization. Yeah, I mean he's held titles and. WWE, NWA, WCW, World Class, Mid South, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Incredibly Strange Wrestling Federation. Did South. he ever hold the title in Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators? Uh, yes, he was one half of the tag team champions since which were vacant twice. So, nice. yes, he's a two-time dog tag team champion, vacant. He won him by himself, too. Most impressive. Yeah. Speaking of, it's kind of like, you know, winning a handicap match, and we'll talk about that later, I guess. <laughs> we have yeah. to. We'll get to all of that momentarily. Um, I, blame oh, the, uh, I blame the other Alliance guys that we're going to have to talk about USA today. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, if you guys know our pals, uh, wait, I should take this off real quick. Our pals, Tim and Jeremy and... Dave Scooby took a knee this week. They'll be back next week. Of course, uh, with that being said, uh, uh, you missed out on their typical coverage. And, you know, what I love about their show is they, they, you know, they don't just review the show, but they also have talking points like uh, the UF up part and the, and the things that they like about the shows. And I really do appreciate the different vantage, different viewpoints that they get from the program. Uh, real quick, our pal, uh, James H. Jackson says that uh, Matt Cardona will be wrestling Gags the Gimp. Uh, Doty says it's definitely Nick Aldis, and uh, Willie Bowen has thrown out Eli Drake. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's still under WWE contract, so I don't think any of, I, I don't think that one's going to happen out of the three. But I think it's going to be either VSK or Brian Myers. You think it's going to be one of the uh, members of the family? Sure, why not? Can you put the graphic back up again? Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get it up right now. You know, by the silhouette, it kind of looks like Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) 
is that Jeff Goldblum before Jurassic Park or after? Uh, that definitely looks like Jurassic World Jeff Goldblum because the hair is like shorter. All right, all right. The next card, the next match that um, was recently advertised, and I don't know if you want to call this cross promotion or if this is just a one off, but you know, the person mostly responsible for controlling your narrative, the CYN promotion has been EC3, and he makes his debut in the NWA, taking on the returning Mims. Um, and that's going to be also night number one. And I think this is a huge get for the NWA. Uh, now, myself, I'm not a huge EC3 fan. I do see the appeal. I know why people like him. Uh, but bringing him into the NWA certainly will get eyeballs on the product, for especially those who are following uh, that Control Your Narrative promotion. DK, yeah, I was going to say, first of all, is anybody following Control Your Narrative? <laughs> I, you know, the funniest thing happened the other day. I happened to be on Twitter, and some just random guy says, hey, does anyone know the next Control Your Narrative pay-per-view? And I thought, well, that's weird. I don't typically follow people who are following that, but okay. And, uh, and I said, hey, he's going to be in the NWA pay-per-view. Does that count? And he's like, no. Fair enough. Uh, and then I just so happened to find a bunch of uh, upcoming events for the Control Your Narrative uh, promotion. So, I, I mean, they have a, a series of shows, matches, events coming up. Uh, do people follow it? I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. You know, I honestly know that they ran here WrestleMania like weekend or whatever. And supposedly, I never even heard results. So, but I couldn't tell you for 20 bucks or my life how, how often they have run since, if, who wrestles for them on any regular basis, and why EC3 looks like he needs braces. I don't know any of those. All right. So, uh, because you asked, Control Your Narrative has ran eight events, uh, most of them in Orange County, Florida, uh, but they've had events in Wisconsin, Michigan, Cleveland, and in Dallas, of course, WrestleMania weekend. And their most recent event took place on May the 15th. And I do know that they had a joint, uh, well, maybe it wasn't a full-on Control Your Narrative, but they did a joint show with, I believe it was All-Star Wrestling. So um, that's not on cage match, but uh, to it's give been you three months since they ran. Say that again. It's been at least three months since they run. Yeah, and people that they've used on their shows: um, uh, Weston Blake, Big Dam- Damo, Dante Smiley, EC3, Jamie Stanley, uh, AJZ, Adam Schur, Flip Gordon. Austin Aries, Blateman, uh, Bateman, excuse me. Uh, you might remember from Ring of Honor, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, Blake, Bulletproof Troop, uh, Jordan Cross, uh, Vinny Pacifico, Amber O'Neill, uh, Dirty Dango, Eric Redbeard, Jake Logan. Was that real? Jake Logan was on a card. Uh, Killer Cross, Marcus Knight. Uh, man, most of these names I've never even heard of. Yeah, there's a lot of people on there I've never heard of. Anyways, hey, Ch- Chad Reese is in the house. Oh, Jake Logan is a is a pro wrestler, not not the uh, 
Oh, I was thinking Jake Paul. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You're probably thinking Logan Paul. Yeah, well, Logan Paul and his brother Jake Paul, both of them, like Jake Paul is the one that does the uh, boxing, and Logan Paul is now wrestling with the WWE. And he also boxes. Yeah, I mean, he's not as good, I don't think. Um, he was talking about the conjoined twin, Jake Logan. There you go. Could be. Logan X. Uh, James H. Jackson says he hopes that uh, Matt Cardona will wrestle uh, the America's jawline, that dude, Jamie Stanley. Um, Dave Scooby's asking if EC3 is doing Billy a favor. You know, I don't know. Um, I think it would make a lot of sense to work with some of those guys from Control Your Narrative because a lot of those guys still have that WWE name value that they they earned. Like, you know, if you brought in somebody like Adam Schur and brought him into the NWA, first of all, he's bigger than everyone on the roster. But secondly, I mean, he's got name value. You know, Braun Strowman is somebody, like, I, I get Adam Schur is different than Braun Strowman, but if you put his face on a poster, it's got facial recognition. You know, I, I think people would be, hey, I know that guy. It'd be, might... be interesting to see him against Tom Latimer. Well, yeah. I mean, or or like, what if he was wrestling against Trevor Murdoch? Not too many guys are bigger than Trevor Murdoch. You talking about in the world or just in, in the NWA? In the NWA, in pro wrestling. I mean, sure, there's a lot of guys bigger than Trevor Murdoch <laughs> in the world and in the world of pro wrestling. But in the NWA, there's not a lot bigger than Trevor Murdoch. And then, I mean, like, look, Mike Knox versus Adam Sure, If he comes in as a baby face, maybe he's the guy that wants to get rid of Cardona. Are you sure? <laughs> uh, Chad Reese is in the house. Chad runs the Reddit board on the uh, on uh, the NWA Reddit page. So welcome, Chad. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Dodie asks if you guys want Eric Redbeard to come to the NWA. No. I'll be honest. I mean, the same thing about Adam Schur, except for less. Uh, I mean, he's got some value, but like, um, I don't, having seen him in person, watching him as part of the primetime live, I just don't feel like he fits in to that model. He's not somebody that I would go out of my way to seek, but I could be wrong. What, you know, Jane, what do you think? Um, if he's built well and promoted well and, and, and booked well, so that means no, because he's coming to the NWA. <laughs> uh, Willie Bowen uh, would like to see Blake Bulletproof Troop come in. I mean, that dude is a legitimate MMA fighter. Uh, he's won grappling awards. I've actually talked to him on a, a handful of times, and he's a, he seems like a really cool dude. But uh, again, I don't I don't know if he would make the cut in the NWA. I did see him wrestle Jordan Clearwater on Primetime Live a few months ago. Maybe it was last year, and he did it. A decent job. He's also, uh, I think he's friends with Chris Silvio, who is Jack Stain's uh, attorney in the NWA. Um, but I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, so getting back to the pay-per-view, uh, you know, if 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 Ethan Carter III uh, does bring the Control Your Narrative group to the NWA, that'd be a quick way to get the Cardonas over as baby faces. Um then also on night one, we've got the Burke Invitational. Um, of course, whoever wins the Burke Invitational gets an opportunity to wrestle whomever is the Women's World Champion on night number two. And the names uh, that were announced, and I don't know if this is an order, but we'll just try. Uh, of course, Samantha Starr, third-generation wrestler, daughter of Baby Doll. And uh, Sam Houston. 
Oh, and Sam Houston, thank you. Tweedy yeah. Lynn Ramsey, um, who made her debut for the NWA at the last year's uh, anniversary show at the Chase. Kylan King, who oddly enough made her debut last year at the at the Chase. Uh, Misa Kate, Maddie, not Maddie Renikowski, just Maddie. Max the Impaler, Angelina Love, Genocide, and most recently announced Natalia Markova. Out of those names, DKM, of those ladies, who do you think has the juice to win it all? Who do I think has the juice to win it all, or who do I think should win it all? Both. Uh, has the juice to win it all? Probably Genocide. Uh, should win it because of her history with both of the competitors for night one and the women's title, uh, probably Markova. Uh, our pal Chad agrees with you. What do you think, DK? Or what do you think, Jaden? Who do you think should win? I don't think any of those girls are on the juice personally. <laughs> But um, I think Maxi Impaler is going to win. Biggest competitor in the match. Biggest match they could possibly put on for the second night. I think that's a good choice. I, I think actually both of those are good choices. Natalia Markova is one of my favorite wrestlers to watch in the NWA. Um, she, I mean, she's really polished in the ring. Genocide is also one of my favorites. Uh, again, I think she's got one of the most well-rounded gimmicks characters in the uh, in the promotion um the the one that you guys missed i think was kylan king who i think uh uh to what dk said her match with uh camille was very very good her match with uh taya valkyrie was also very good and given the fact that she's uh obviously hungry and somebody that the nwa has put a lot of spotlight on i think she could be somebody uh that might advance to the next night um, real quick, uh, Willie Bowen says Angelina Love, the flat butt trailer park tram. <laughs> uh, Luthez says, uh, the juiciest, of course. Juventud Guerrera isn't in this one, and Willie Bowen says his crush genocide. Um, and then James H. Jackson says, I feel it's too early for her to win. I hope Max doesn't get scooped up by Tony Khan as she was backstage at the last few episodes of Dynamite. Uh, she was in Ring of Honor prior to uh, joining the NWA roster. So, um, you know, if they're not going to put the belt on somebody new, uh, if it's Camille or if it's Taya, whoever walks away night one, Max the Impaler would be a great person to get a victory over, I believe. You guys object to that? No. I don't object to it, but honestly, it's not a... Um matchup i would care to see um also uh for that night we have homicide taking on carrie morton is carrie morton a third generation wrestler or second generation dk do you know uh kind of both yeah his fault his grandfather ricky morton's dad i don't know how much he actually wrestled I know he was like part of a ring crew, part of a referee and all that. Yeah, he was a referee for the Southern Territories. He did have a few matches, but I don't know if that considered if that classifies you as a wrestler. Yeah, I mean I don't 
he was never a long-term pro wrestler. He was in the wrestling business. So what do you, I'm not asking for you to make a prediction here, but do you think this is a good matchup for homicide? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good matchup as long as homicide wins. Yeah, fair enough. Um, next, you know, I want to, just real quick. I want to get to the comments cause you know, you guys are shooting them out there quick. Uh, Willie Bowen said, Oh, never mind. Um, Medias M5 says his grandfather Ricky's dad was a wrestler ref. Chad says I think he's a third generation. Ricky's dad wrestled in Tri Cities area. <laughs> Media is also predicting victory for homicide. And Chad says I think Jim Cornette mentioned it before. Okay, so we'll, we'll just say it's a third gen. He's a third generation wrestler, at least uh, third generation in the industry. I think that's fair to say. Uh, then of uh, of course the other match that's. Uh, was announced early on, uh, thanks to Busted Open Radio for getting the match set up. Uh, we're going to have Bully Ray and Mike Knox in a tables match. And, uh, you know, obviously these two have some history. And, and this is one of, like, I think this is one of the byproducts of this Billy Corgan owning the NWA and his history with Impact. He was there for part of the Aces and Eights stuff. So with these two have that history that that from that time in Impact's history, and of course, when when Mike Knox and Bully Ray met face to face at Always Ready, Mike Knox ended up putting them through a table. Um, Jaden, do you think this match is something that people want to see, or do you think this is just more trying to give Mike Knox something to do? I think it's something that the NWA is trying to capitalize on the success of Bully Ray's radio broadcasting. Uh, credentials and his world championship credentials in TNA and his WWE and his ECW credentials. I think they're trying to put a name out there, hoping somebody sees the name and tries to buy the pay per view because they're like, oh, I wonder what happened to Bully Ray or, or Bubba Ray or whatever. Sure. What do you think, TK? Yeah, I'm more along the line with Jaden. I think it's honestly. It's the most built-up story on the entire card. <laughs> well, okay. The next match, the, the next match I was going to reference is, had some build to it as well. But yeah, I, I mean, like again, it does have that long-standing history. But one of the things I don't like about it is that it's adopting history from Impact, and I, I, I wish they wouldn't do that because it's like there's a shared universe because Billy used to work there. But this, this is like if Jim Lee brought the X Men to the DC universe. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. Um, I don't like it. You know, if I didn't, I did not watch impact during that time. And I briefly only knew who the aces and eights were because of clips I saw on the internet. But I, I, I didn't even know Mike Knox was wrestling until recently when he rejoined the NWA. I didn't know he was in impact at any point. So that was all news to me. The next match. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to some comments real quick, just because I see you guys uh, are still talking. Um, Vincent uh, says he'd like to see Kerry Morton as a heel. I, I'm 100% on board with that. Just even looking at that kid's face. Let me just pull it up real quick again. Look at that. Very that, is not a, that is not a baby face. That is a heel. Just on looks alone, that's a heel. Well, then again, we have a man named Homicide who's a face. Yeah, that's true. Um, Explain that. That's because he's justifiable. 
justifiable <laughs> homicide. Yeah. Uh, are you t- uh, wait? Are we talking uh, about New Jack? No. That's, yeah. Zoom. Uh, Chad, I think, agrees with me saying that he uh, when in doubt go to TNA for talent. Yeah, I just don't. I don't like that. Uh, James is going back to the whole uh, Morton's father, Paul, was a professional wrestling referee. His cousin Todd Morton also wrestled occasionally, teaming with Morton. So, I mean, at the very least, third generation uh, in the industry. You, you ever see Todd Morton? No. He was a historic uh, Marco stunt. <laughs> My gosh. I think I would be very insulted at that. But at least Todd Morton could wrestle. I'm just talking size-wise. Yeah, well, I'm not arguing the size-wise. I'm just saying at least he could wrestle. Not as bad as Manny uh, Villalobos in Southwest, but I think uh, I think Manny only missed midget wrestler by about, you know, three-quarters of an inch. That's little people. Kerry doesn't need to turn on his dad. He just needs – his dad just needs to go away. Well, that would be the best way to just send him off in the sunset, like in the back of an ambulance, and then we'd never have to see him again, because that's what I'd be about. But I know I'm in the minority. I still have my Rock and Roll Express shirt. I should give that away. Who wants a Rock and Roll Express shirt? Here it is. Who wants it? (laughs) You know, if this was 1986, there would be about 50 billion teeny boppers banging at your door. I got it when I uh, I did that. I did briefly for that pro wrestling loot, and that was one of the T-shirts that was in there. Oh man, you got I got two guys there. Hmm. Well, we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to weigh it down later. I don't know. We'll we'll give it away. I promise. Somebody's gonna take it tonight. What size uh, is it? It's a two X. I'll take it. <laughs> I can't give it to you. You're on the show, my friend. You never quite. You know, yeah, yes, you wanted it. You didn't say he was. You said we were giving away. You didn't say it was like a contest or anything official, or that I wasn't disqualified from it. Just say <laughs> who wants it. I say we fire Jay now. You say fire Jay? Yeah. There we go. Now, why are you trying to kill the podcast again, TK? Yeah, might as well. I'm bored. I don't got anything else to do. Besides, he kept talking about the seventy fourth. All right. Well, we got to see Jack Stain versus Scion. Um, I don't know why we have to deal with this. Who's the baby face in this match? Nobody. Billy loves heel versus heel. It's his favorite match to promote. Okay. Um, real interesting dynamic here is so Chris Silvio, who is Jack Stain's attorney, and and real quick side note. How much better would it have been if White Lavender Jones was Jack Stane's manager? If you bring that name up again, I'm quitting. If it was Bruce Tharp as Jack Stane's manager. Hear me out. Hear me out. That we all know that that guy is a character, right? He When he was in Japan, he had the very loud suits, the like neon bright white teeth, and, and everything about him was just so like hateable. Chris Silvio seems like a, a decent guy. Man, Bruce Tharp would excel as being a, a manager, especially in this wrestling promotion. That's my two cents.
well. Awkward nope. silence. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I mean, actually, I don't disagree. It would, it would make storyline sense, too, you know, that he brings in one of his most dominant champions to go after the current NWA and blah, 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 and ends up with Tim Storm and, I don't know. Funny, he added Tim Storm to the faction. Tim Storm and ja- and Jack Steen. And see, now you could bring in Barrett Brown. Oh, and then you could bring in uh, 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 what are they called? Uh, the Heat Seekers. Heat Seekers again, yeah. So, I mean, th- there could have been a good storyline if they had actually you know, wanted to do a good storyline. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That made me die. Uh, I think I think DK just had a stroke. <laughs> well, and and like here's the thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's the thing too. I'm not saying that this is a great move for the NWA, but what a way to pull back some of that older audience, right? I don't know how much of them they missed. I don't know how many fans are out there that aren't currently watching the NWA today that were watching during the Tharp era. But what a callback! And, and, and DK, you said it right. If you put Tim Storm in that position with Bruce Tharp, Jack Stain, the Heat Seekers, Barrett Brown, and you go after the world's heavyweight title, whoever it is, Matt Cardona, Nick Aldis, uh, Trevor Murdoch, it doesn't really matter. That would be at least a very compelling storyline, whether like everybody jumped on board or there was resistance to it. It would be fun, and, and it would give you an opportunity to have a heel Tim Storm on his way out, maybe one more run with that heel faction. I think that would be uh, pretty amazing. But then again, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a big NWA honk from back in the day. So, well, well, and just think if if you did the storyline right and you built it right, you could end up with the four horsemen situation of you could put the world title on Jack, you could put the national title on on uh, Storm, even though he's a former North American champion. In fact, even though he'd have the national title and the national belt, he could refer to himself as the North American champion. That would make it even better. I mean, and you put the tag team titles on... The Heat Seekers? Heat Seekers and Junior Trial and Bear. I'm not saying everybody holds the titles for, you know, years or whatever, but if you have like a one-month period where all of them held their old title. You know, over time, they all won the titles, and over time, they all lose the titles, but there'd be about a one-month period where they all hold the titles. I mean, I think that would be a, you know, a story that you could get people into if you told it right and the wrestling was good. Now, of course, I, think- I don't know who the NWA person would be now that, you know, Nick Aldis apparently would rather slap Billy than talk to him, but, you know. We'll get to that, too, later in the show, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, look, at the very least, it would be something that would be different, but I don't know, maybe the time to do that was like two years ago. No, no, it was. I mean, it it would, about a year, it's something they probably could have done coming out of the pandemic, where Bruce Thorpe came in and said, you know, you guys have really screwed this up since I've been gone. (laughs) 
And Chad, the answer to your story is who do you trust? Nobody. Nobody. Not, <laughs> not, not one person. It would only work if I booked it. Right. So so getting back. Real getting quick, back, though. Real yeah, quick. Since we're talking about Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Um, <laughs> in your opinion, this NWA today, is it any better than the uh, Bruce Tharp NWA? I mean, you're opening up a huge can of worms that we can't answer in a two-hour show, but um, there are a lot of elements that I sorely miss from the Tharp era NWA, and I never thought I would say that. Um, there's a lot of things that I think Billy gets right, but there was there's some things that I think would have been better had the NWA not been bought by uh, William Patrick Corgan. Well, I mean, I think... You were talking about two different types of companies. Uh, Tharp's problem was he wasn't a businessman. And when he and Ron Quill uh, <laughs> split, he really lost that business side, the one who would keep things organized and, you know, keep Bruce's big dreams in check. And so... But, I mean, you can argue, okay, they have their fight TV deal. They have their uh, shows on YouTube. And they're running pay-per-views on fight TV. And so, I mean, you could look at that and argue, well, yeah, they're better off. I mean, we've had Nick Aldis as world champion, blah, blah, blah. We've had some Cody Rhodes as world champion, you know, whatever. So there's an argument that you could make that it's better. I'm not going to argue it's better. I'm going to argue it's different. Because I think when you have those different promoters who could bring in different things and different guys, you got a lot of talent that you could pull from. And although Dave Lagana didn't like any of them, <laughs> I think, well, I mean, look, I'm not saying anything he didn't say. He went on interview after interview and basically trashed all the promoters and the product. Well, some, of them, some of them deserved it, though. Let's be honest. Some did, but I don't know that all of them did. I think some of them put on good product for what they were. Tony Gibbs. Well, I mean, like let's 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 talk about like NWA Smoky Mountain, right? Or, or now it, as it, they are. Does this just change hat night? Yeah, the, well, this one is a little tight. I prefer this hat, but uh. I haven't had a haircut in a while, so I keep changing my hats because I don't really like the. My kids dropped the Alliance hat in the gutter today, and I didn't feel like wearing it without washing it. I don't kind of blame you for that. I think. Uh, wait a minute. Wait. Get your wife to buy a pair of clippers and shave your head. Your mind's always in the gutter, so what's the hat have a difference? It's got a point. DK, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Look at these locks. That's what I'm talking about. A young, gorgeous George over here. Yeah, didn't he get his head shaved? And his wife? H. Anyway. <laughs> so James James brings up a good point. And, oh, man, I have two mouses on my desk. Which one's the right one? Um, Whichever the one on the right. <laughs> Whichever one you don't pick. Right. Uh, uh, so uh, James brings up a good point. You know, the technology's changed a lot since even even those days with the Bruce Tharp era. There wasn't a fight TV uh, then 
like there is now and a promotion like Smoky Mountain or maybe Mountain State or even like the Sawmill, which I know is coming back, they all could have probably been on fight and might have had a similar audience to the size that power has now. And it would have been like three times the amount of content that was coming to NWA fans. Imagine if the NWA All Access then had like three different shows that you were getting for the cost of uh, $14.99 or or $4.99 a month and then a pay-per-view every four months if the NWA could put that together. I'm not saying it's that easy. I'm not saying it's simple, but I'm just saying like, you know, if the technology had been there, the the NWA did a few shows that were pay-per-view level quality uh, under the Tharp era. I mean, the Parade of Champions, they did twice with talent from New Japan. And these were great shows. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I saw the I saw the show in Houston with New Japan. I was actually there, and uh, they did they they put on some stuff. And I do think that you're right to the sense that they they probably could have got pay per views on the fight. I don't know if they would have got shows or not. And honestly, I mean, some of those promotions still exist and they still run. Yeah. And you know they're 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 still what they were back then, but look, you know, at the time those shows weren't look necessarily looking to be big national shows. They were looking to draw for their area a decent, you know, a decent thing, make a little bit of money, or uh, you know, at least break even. Uh, heck, the original Mountain State, you know, that guy would. Brandon, he didn't even care if he lost a little bit of money. I watched one of those shows. They they did a they did it on YouTube. They were airing those shows on YouTube. They were kind of one of the first wrestling promotions I I saw on YouTube. Uh, they, I mean, they even beat uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood to YouTube, and the they were using a uh, cucumber and company to produce those shows. And I don't care that there was like six people there watching it. It looked beautiful. And uh, I remember watching them. They were in some sort of like dive bar or something. And some ladies walking by with a cigarette. And I just, it, it totally threw me out of the match, but I just thought it was so funny. Sorry. Yeah, some of those shows did not do much for the stereotype of the wrestling fan. Matt, other than... Matt Conrad versus uh, the Stro, and this lady walks by just puffing on a cigarette, stands right in front of the camera for at least. 20 seconds. Sorry. Anyhow. Yeah. So, let's you know, so like, right, my whole point for all that is I'm not going to say necessarily one era was better than the other area. I will say that they were different types of eras. And again, that's been pointed out. Well, where would they be today with today's access and stuff like that? I mean, you know, and uh, what are the goals? And we talked about a little bit about this before coming on the show. But see, I to me, Billy running a successful promotion is only secondary to him. Yeah. Uh, Billy wants to run his promotion and he wants it to be successful. But it being his promotion, running how he wants to run it is more important. More important than being successful? Yeah. Yeah, I could understand that. I I mean, I 
He's a he's what happens when you order Tony Khan off a wish. I got it. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, he and Tony Khan are not that much different. Well, that's uh, why they don't want to deal with one another anymore. Hmm? That's why they don't want to deal with one another anymore. Probably, but I mean, and, uh, t- Tony Khan simply has more money. This is true, and more time, and more cocaine. And let's remember. <laughs> You know, we've talked off the air about some of the DC happenings and the Batgirl film being, you know, canceled and all that stuff over at Warner Brothers Discovery. And let's not forget that Warner Brothers Discovery is trying to cut $3 billion. Guess Guess who owns the Turner Networks that AEW runs on? Warner Brothers Discovery, and nobody should be shocked. I mean, they they locked up the Warner Brothers and their Warner sister dot up in a uh, <laughs> in a water tower. Water they yeah. locked them in the tower, and then they got uh, broke loose. Yeah, and apparently they- you don't remember the theme song, do you? And now you know the plot. Um, all right, so that's enough of that. Uh, Real quick, Chad says he should take chances and go north. There's lots of markets that Billy has not been to yet. I know that there is talk that they might be in different markets soon. Remember, the show started off in Atlanta, and since then they've migrated to Nashville and St. Louis for extended TV tapings. Who knows? Uh, I, you know, I've always thought that Houston would be a good place for them to go, especially with the history that they had there. Um, they've done pay-per-views in North Carolina. I could see them heading back there. Uh you know, the only place I don't think they would succeed is California. Everything else, I think, is uh, open. Well, I I think for them it's going to be partnerships, kind of. You know, they kind of work with the the uh, tried and true crew and the Casanas, Joe Casano. Yeah, you know, and Casana maybe. That's the one. Yeah. You know, they're in the Tennessee area and. Of course, we know Trevor Murdoch's recently been wrestling for Wildcat. So it certainly wouldn't surprise any of us, any of us if you know they wouldn't make an appearance somewhere in Louisiana. But only if they knew a promoter like the Wildcat promoter, you know, that could help them out in that situation. Well, <laughs> and, and, that, and that's exactly my point. The only reason they would go to Louisiana is because, you know, basically uh, Hawks would – what you know, they would Tuck be able to, to do all their stuff to run an NWA show, kind of like you know they've done in the past. I mean, which if he's good with, I'm fine. I mean, I don't care. But so, and I don't know that it will happen. I, you know, we don't know where in Louisiana they might run. Could be Shreveport, but you know, with the casinos. But you could see. I could see something like that. I could see them in Louisiana. I could see them, you know, in the Tennessee areas where they're working. Uh, You know, I think St. Louis will probably be their anniversary show for the foreseeable future. And uh, they may or may not go back to the Carolinas. It would just depend on if they had somebody there that could help them. They could they could come to Texas and I would help them, but they would, you know, rather swallow uh, a glass full of razor blades. So, 
That's because you used to work for the Tharp era NWA. Isn't that true, DK? That's what people keep telling me. I'm still waiting for my checks. And so are a lot of wrestlers. So are a lot of promoters. <laughs> Jaden's on it tonight. <laughs> Uh, another match for night one was just announced earlier today. Uh, our buddy James posted in the, in the chat earlier about the World Tag Team Championships, Commonwealth Connection versus La Rebellion. Now, DK. Ooh, yes. Ooh, yeah, as I say, yes. DK, you weren't, you weren't excited about this one. Uh, tell us why you don't like that matchup. Uh, because I think La Rebellion is going to win the titles back, and I'd rather another team win the titles. Uh, then, uh, I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't I mind mean, that because then I would have Davy Boy, I'm sorry, Harry, turn on uh, his partner and, and maybe become a singles wrestler. I would very I much like Harry to be a singles wrestler. I would like him to be a singles wrestler. Uh, I was talking off air with Jay. Uh, I don't know. This one, he seems to be missing a step. Maybe it's because he's teaming with somebody who he's never teamed with before. Uh, I haven't been... I still like him, but I have not been as impressed with him as I have in the past. Uh, he kind of looks like his knees might be starting to go bad. Uh, or, you know, he did suffer a legit back injury, and maybe that slowed him down some. I don't know. I also don't know if Harry Smith may not be sought elsewhere. Uh, you know, various points, not necessarily WWE or, but, you know, there might be somebody somewhere that runs more often and better and everything. Plausibly, but um, him and Corgan go back to the RCW. Yeah, whatever that thing was back in the day. Chicago based promotion. He's got some history. We'll see. Hey, we never talked much about Jack Dane and Sion, and I would just like to put forth the fact that that's the ugliest picture of Sion I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Why would you do that to the poor man? I, I I don't think he understands the dynamic of wearing a mask with a triangle opening for the mouth. I don't think so either. I mean, you look like like a Batman villain. Except for you also look freaking ridiculous. So it's not like you're, you don't look intimidating. You just look like a goofball. You also kind of look like a, a jack o' lantern that was carved not quite right. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking he kind of looked like this horror movie I saw with this white faced clown. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was that clown was pretty, that clown was pretty creepy looking. Yeah. I don't know. Penny for your thoughts, maybe. Anyway, what I want to know from you guys, do either of you think that Sion has a chance of winning? Or even more, do you think he should or shouldn't? He should not. Do I think he will? Might or might? It is Billy Corgan booking, so it's plausible because it doesn't make sense. I just hope Jack Stane's clothes lines up and takes his head off. I feel like like Billy is starting to get into that 50-50 booking kind of mentality. Um, and as much as I love Jack Stane, and I think he should be national champion for a very long time, I feel like they're going to take the belt off of Jack Stane um, and put him on Scion because I think that the TV title is going to become available. And I'm not saying they're going to put the title on uh, Jax, but I think they want to keep somebody 
in the group of the uh, Idol Mania Sports Management with the title. And, you know, the obsessive tweets about the championship belt for months now, even when he was still feuding with Tyrus, I just feel like that's where it's heading. Um, and, and this is one of those situations where maybe Jax could fail upwards with him losing the, the national title. Maybe he can go after the winner between, uh, you know, Trevor Murdoch and, uh, and Tyrus, whoever's holding the title at the end of that, maybe Jack Stane could be the next guy in line. Um, but I, I mean, I'd, I'd much rather keep Jax with the national title. I don't care for Scion. Um, I've seen moments of brilliance from him, but I more often than not, I see somebody who's a veteran of the ring look like a green, green wrestler. And I don't get it as someone who's been in the ring as long as he's has, you know, just because he's wearing a different mask doesn't mean he's uh, he's he's should have lost a step in the ring. He's just not as good as what I've seen from him in other wrestling promotions. And, uh, I, he's not a guy that I would push. You think it's because he's trying to do a different style than what he? That could be it, and that in fact that might be it. But it just he doesn't do it well, and I don't look at him as like like if you want to make him into a Mister Wrestling type character, and he's he's going to be a very uh, scientific style wrestling. Then then sure, have him focus on a, a whole. Have him watch Arn Anderson wrestle for crying out loud. Uh, what I see from him is someone who's like very aggressive and and very like uh it's like more like a uh i guess i would say like a fighting spirit style of wrestling something you might see in new japan but like not done well and to me it's just i i don't see i don't see what billy sees in him now maybe that's because they're buddies i don't know maybe it's because he has a bigger plan for him i don't know but the 20 year plan what's that he has a 20 year plan for him yeah, well, the promos aren't good, and, and like, and that's the thing. You know, I, I get that there's a lot of talent. Like all of what was that? Said so it sounded like someone just mugged you. No, I rolled over, and my bed is not very comfortable right now. I'm in a really weird position. Hmm. I, but more than I wanted to know. No. Uh, I, I just want to finish with this. I know that the NWA uh, has a lot of elder statesmen as champions you know in the world of professional wrestling i know at some point the wwe stopped looking at you if you were 30 years or older and i know there's a lot of guys on the roster who are you know pushing 40 or over 40 who currently hold titles and i think that there would be nice if somebody like jordan clearwater was uh you know became a future champion or a a younger group of, of core wrestlers who are coming to mims comes to mind uh as a as future champions um, but I don't. <clears throat> okay, now that, that brings up something for me. We talked earlier about EC3 and the fact that he was coming in face Mills. And I didn't like the matchup, and not because I don't like Mims, but because I like. <coughs> and it's like, if you're going to bring this guy back after an injury, and I don't know if it was a work or a legit injury, but it doesn't matter. He was someone who you were kind of in the process of building up. I would have put him in the ring with somebody that he could have beat. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't know who at the moment, but I would have given him, I would have given him a decent win on the pay-per-view. 
be it a Jordan Clearwater or a, which I know there's some issues there and we'll talk about that later. But, uh, you know, someone more in that vein, even a Jake DeMoss, uh, I would have put him in that and, you know, put EC3 in the ring against uh, somebody else who you basically know what the outcome is going to be because you're not going to see the match. You're just going to see uh, EC3, which is going to lead me to another subject. But first, what are your thoughts on, I mean, are do you think they should have put him in with Mims or do you think they should have tried to do something different with Mims? Well, um, so it, I guess it just depends on what they do, right? Because if Mims goes over, that's a huge victory for Mims. And that kind of puts him on that, that path that you were talking about. Because, again, he was on kind of a on a, on a roll. You know, he, he body slammed Tyrus. He earned that shot for the TV title. He had a few victories. He was teaming with the Pope at the Crockett Cup. It kind of looked like things were going in the right direction for him. And then obviously getting hurt at the Crockett cup or excuse me, at always ready. I don't think that was the plan. I think, and I, I do believe that was a legit injury um, sidelined him for a couple of weeks, a couple of months off of TV, to be honest. And in fact, you know, he, he won't be on any of these episodes leading up to the 74th anniversary show. So putting him in a high profile match, if he goes over, I think is great, but the likelihood of him going over on EC3 doesn't seem very realistic to me, especially when you're putting EC3 on this pay-per-view to hopefully get some of the, like we talked about earlier, some more eyeballs on the product to have that WWE familiarity. And much like on night number two, when you bring in Davey Richards to defend the MLW open weight national championship against uh, you know, the thrill Billy, you know, I don't feel like the thrill Billy is going to win. I mean, I could, I'll bet you dollars to donuts he's not going to win. And so you're bringing in these big names to put, you know, putting over your young talent, your youth movement, if you will. It's not a good look. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me that uh, you have a lot of faith in some of the younger guys. And, and then you're kind of stuck, re, you know, recycling these older talents. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the older guys, but if you never build up your own core rosters, it's like in any sport, if you just keep trading and, and signing free agents, you're never going to develop a young core roster that could be phenomenal if given the opportunity. Well, and that, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to segue in there to get your thoughts on something. Uh, obviously, to me, the EC3 match and the Davy Richard matches are just spotlight matches for those two. Yes. I don't even know that a win by DQ really helps Mims, unless he just is overly competitive in the match. But, uh, you know, let's face it, the Thrill Billy doesn't have the best record. He's only been on TV a couple, a handful of times. And he's been more comic than not. Yep. Look, the one reason I'm glad is because it gets uh, uh, Boyd Mar out there. And she's such a talent. <coughs> she's such a talent. And 
she does so much to help put the NWA over, I think basically on her own and everything that, you know, she deserves to be at a pay-per-view and, you know, in a match of some importance, even if she's the manager, you know, I just don't know that, you know, we've talked before. I don't know that her, her and thrill Billy are the combo I want to see, but you know, Hey, Gives her the shot, so I'm, I'm willing. Hey, and we need to go with that. But uh, but here's my question: Whoever wins the national title match on night one, and it doesn't matter, would you want to see some kind of confrontation between them and Davy Richards on night two? Um, man. Without those teeth. <laughs> I, you know. It, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything major. It doesn't even have to lead to a match. But just something that kind of acknowledges there are two national champions here. One of my all-time favorite moments in pro wrestling in the last 30 years was when Jeff Jarrett was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion and Samoa Joe was the X Division Champion. And, I, yes, this is TNA Wrestling, and this was when I was a huge fan of what they were doing because they brought in a lot of young guys. And Samoa Joe, who had been dominant in the X Division, literally just defeated everybody, walks down to the ring. And Jeff Jarrett legitimately had a scared look on his face. And he started heading back to the the uh, end of the, you know, back to the locker room. And Samoa Joe just kind of gave him one of those shoulder. Ugh. And in that moment, it was just like Samoa Joe kind of sent that message like, I could kill you if I wanted to. I could destroy you if I wanted to. But. I'm not worried about you right now. I'm taking my X division title and I'm going to go showcase myself. If it was something like that, I'd be all about it. I don't care if it's Jack Dane doing it to Davy Richards or Davy Richards doing it to Jack Dane or, or, you know, whoever, uh, Sion, whoever ends up walking out with the title. I mean, just to scare them. Yeah. That'd be kind of a cool moment. But the other thing is I don't think it would lead to anything. So then it might be a little disappointing. Jaden, you have any thoughts? Uh, I don't want to say it. Honestly, I love Davey Richards. I think he would be an excellent addition to any promotion. Um, honestly, though, I'm going to say about what this EC3 match and the Davey Richards match, these are TV matches they're begging you to pay for on pay-per-view. That's where they should have those matches because then that would mean something because you know, you're know you having to see for free, so you're giving a free match that's a okay match, but you kind of know who's going to win. I would much rather see EC3 versus Davey Richards because that might make me want to actually pay for the pay-per-view. So there's my thought. Of course I'm right. I'm always right. Mm. And one time I was wrong. Well, when you became friends with us, that was probably a mistake. (laughs) When you you invited Bordell Walker onto the show and (laughs) Killed the Alliance guys the first time. That was probably a mistake. It was probably sure I didn't do it on purpose. What? Sure I didn't do it on purpose. Not one hundred percent, but I'm leaning, you know, fifty-one forty-nine. Thought it was a mercy kill by then. I just uh, put a poll up. If you are on YouTube, joining us in the chat, Uh, do you like avocados? A simple yes or no. Just curious, just a, a scientific survey here, and none of the hosts will say anything more about it, but do you like avocados, yes or no? 
And um, I want to say something about it. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> with three votes, uh, the right now it's sixty-seven percent avocados with three votes. So we'll see how it goes. We'll talk about it more later. But let's get back to the show. Let's get back to the pay-per-view. Uh, the last match that's been announced for night one, of course, is Taya Valkyrie, who defeated Kylan King for that number one contender spot. Will be taking on uh, Camille. Why isn't it coming up? There it is. Uh, we'll be taking on Camille uh, for the opportunity to wrestle for the Burke. Now, one thing that I absolutely love about this is that both talents are out there promoting this match. I mean, it's not just, you know, Taya Valkyrie doing a media scrum, just talking about everything. I've heard her specifically go on about the NWA title and what the legacy of the Burke would mean to her career. You've got Camille out there talking about how important it would be to have this victory over Taya Valkyrie. Even though they haven't really locked horns yet within the NWA, the two have had uh, matches outside of the NWA. Uh, people are still kind of uh, murmuring about, especially at XPW, where they uh, where they had uh, faced off. In fact, it was Sam Shaw who kidnapped kidnapped Taya Valkyrie, excuse me, kidnapped Camille, keeping her from the opportunity to wrestle for that title. And, uh, and, and uh, Taya Valkyrie ended up winning the XPW Women's Championship now, Sam Shaw in the WWE again, and uh, Taya uh, in the NWA challenging for that title. Okay, I guess I'll talk. Um, I actually, this is the only match I think I really, really care about. Taya's very, very talented. Camille has impressed a lot of people. This is a match that could sell a pay-per-view. So uh, this should be a major focus, in my opinion. I say show stealer of the weekend. Now they haven't announced a, a a world title match for night one. Do you think this headlines night one? It should. Should. Main event. Basically, all the other world titles are on the line night one, and then the women's title will be featured. Night two as well. Well, I, I definitely think it would be. Uh, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think this is the match of the night, and it's not even close. And I think it would be uh, kind of pay uh, homage to last year's empowered pay per view by having this be the main event. I think that'd be a right way to go. Yeah, and I think the only reason we're not getting an empowered pay per view is because somebody else owns the name to it. But. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, I think I, I'm happy to see it. Johnny Alliance needs to show up. Unfortunately, I think he's under contract to uh, to the other play wrestler promotion. But um, yeah, I, I really do. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in seeing that match. I don't know if I'm going to order the pay per view just to see that one match, but that is the one that has me the most interested. Yeah, I, I really feel like that's the match that's going to speak to uh, most of the fans. And again, I really feel like, uh, you know, I, if I was not already subscribed to this, if this, if they went back to the old pay-per-view model of, you know, 1499 or, you know, 1999, I definitely would buy this pay-per-view. I, I feel like there's enough matches on there to make it worth my while, but I do feel like the Camille versus uh Ty Valkyrie is a match that I definitely need to see. DKM, would you buy this pay-per-view if you had to? I know you get it for free because you're part of the, uh, well, not free, but you're part of the premier uh, NWA VIP group. 
Well, see, to me, this definition of a main event match, which, by the way, Cardona versus a special hand-picked opponent might main event. But I'm hoping not. But, yeah, this is this is like an old Worldwide Wrestling Federation or boxing type thing. There's only match one match anybody cares about. And probably in the future, there's only one match anyone's going to talk about. At least in a positive light. There might be one might be so horrendous that people talk about it. But, and that's uh, Valkyrie versus Camille. And uh, look, I don't know that Camille needs to lose. I would not be upset if she did because I like Valkyrie, but I don't know that she needs to. I don't know that there's enough going on, especially once they add a TV title, that I think the other ladies can change hands, you know, a couple, two to three times a year. But you can't leave Camille in there as a strong champion, as a one-time champion. But, uh, you know, we'll see. It's possible. You know, we'll get sick of her at some point. I don't know. But one of the keys for this matchup is the fact that I can't say with 100% certainty that Camille will walk away as champion. And not only can I not say with 100% certainty that Camille will walk away as champion, but that I wouldn't be happy if Tyra Valkyrie won it. So, you know, that's what makes a good match. You got two talents that you like, two talents that you enjoy watching that should mesh well. And that's going to be the, that's going to be the, the thing. So let, let me put, let me pose a question to you and the viewing audience. Does Taya holding that championship elevate the title or keep it the same? And would it be better? Not, not for Camille, not for the fans. Would it be better for the legacy of the Burke? for Taya Valkyrie to win or for Camille to retain? Chess fans, let me know what you think. Jade, you go first because DK isn't talking. Well, okay. uh, I'm thinking it's actually a very interesting uh, question. Uh, look, uh, Valkyrie has a pedigree, and you can't argue that. Four-time Reina de Reina's championship. Currently the MLW featherweight champion, the XPW women's champion, uh, the Impact, one half of the Impact Knockouts tag team champion. She held the WSW and Australia women's championship briefly. Uh, you know, she's a former Knockouts uh, women's world champion. Uh, she's held and a lot of... champion. Yeah, currently. Um, and, and, and she's had a lot of uh, success uh, both here in the United States and in Mexico. And she's Canadian born. Not that that matters, but yeah, I I think it would be interesting. We talked about belt collectors, so I think it would be interesting if you ended up with Valkyrie holding uh, 
You know, it's kind of interesting. There's going to be two MLW champions on the wrestling that night. And it'll be interesting to see if they, they don't say anything about Valkyries. And it'll be interesting to see if on that night they do mention something. But if you could put Valkyrie in there with the World Women's, with the MLW World Women's Champion and uh, current AAA Champion and former uh, Impact Champion, I think you would... I mean, I think that could add to the add to the prestige of the Burke, and I don't have a problem with that. I I think it would be more neat that she would hold the MLW and NWA title at the same time, even if the other doesn't recognize the fact. Sure, you know, I I think if they would just. Uh, I, I think that would just be kind of a cool thing. Real quick, so, as, a, as a trivia note, did you know that Sabu, while NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, was also the XPW Heavyweight Champion? It would kind of be a little bit like that, where Ty could also be your NWA Women's World Champion while also holding the XPW Women's World Champion. It'd be the first time an XPW Champion is held the NWA Champion at the same time since Sabu. And that, that, I actually did know that because there was actually a big controversy here in my area about it because Sabu came in to work a rival promotion for the NW to the NWA promoter here. And sounds like him. Hmm? That sounds like Sabu. Yeah. Well, I mean, they basically, he was the world champion. He was the NWA world champion and the rival promotion rushed to sign to get him to come in. And so, so he signed and then they found out that, you know, it was going to be in competition to the local promoter. who was Ken Taylor at the time. Yeah. And so they, they told Ken he could, he couldn't stop it from taking place unless he booked him. Basically, you know, and so Ken said, he goes, no, just as long as they never mention the NWA letters in association with him, he goes, I'll, I'll be okay. And so, I mean, that's the way it was. And so they put up, he wasn't allowed to bring the belt. He wasn't allowed to talk about the title. He didn't talk anyway, but you know, <laughs> they weren't allowed to talk about the NWA title, you know, and everything. So it went, but yeah, that was... That was a very, very interesting time. Jaden, would you like to chime in on this topic? I think Tara should win the NWA World Women Championship. I believe it's something good for the NWA Spark. Uh, I think, unfortunately, Camille's time is probably soon, maybe, to be done with the NWA. And I think if they can lock, lock up Tara, maybe not exclusively, but something long-term that would be good for the NWA. I mean, she has NXT exposure. She's been all everywhere else. She's currently still wrestling for impact. It's the biggest name they can probably get in the women's division, not named Mickey James. And also the matchups would be a lot fresher now. Now you can have Tower Valkyrie versus genocide. Are you saying, are you saying, 
are you saying Tyra Valkyrie? It's Taya. Ty- adding an extra R in there, Jaden. I was trying to make her Kahargus. <laughs> hey, all of a sudden you sound like you're in a tin cup as well. What happened? I don't know. Can you hear me better now? No. No? No. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'm in a tin cup. Um, all right. Well, we'll finish your point and then we'll move on. But I think it'll be good for the NWA because right now I think Camille is at the point where the booking isn't strong enough and the roster isn't strong enough. So her being a dominant champion is starting to grow a little tiresome. And um, maybe that now she could be part. Maybe now you could be one half of the women's champion, or the new NWA women's television champion, or the new NWA women's six-man tag team champion <laughs> or the new NWA world intergender tag team champions, you know, whatever the belts that Billy Corgan wants to create next. He doesn't have any ideas. Well, you know, and the thing that you said, right, like I saw in the chat, someone's like, well, they've invested so much into Camille. I don't think now's the time to move on her. But like, with that being said, they invested a lot of time into Nick Aldis too. And that didn't prevent them from taking the, the number one contenders match and just ripping it out of his hands and, and taking away his number one contendership. And with anything, you know, what Billy has proven in the last year is that loyalty isn't really that much rewarded with the NWA. Uh, you know, Tim Storm was extremely loyal to the company, and then he was put on the back burner and only allowed to participate in some wrestling events Uh all the while being extremely loyal. Uh, Nick Aldis, who's been extremely loyal to the company, recently had his world title match revoked uh, because of uh, because of a tweet, because of uh, politicking. And that's the worst thing is Billy Corgan makes me defend Nick Aldis, which makes me want to be sick to my stomach. But, that, I mean, the whole point of them revoking his title, uh, title opportunity when he won it fair and square, I think is a bunch of horse shit. And then, and then on top of all that, like you look at some of the talent that have that have been there since day one that gets superseded every time a new talent comes in. You bring Mike Knox in, and and he's he's attacking uh, Trevor Murdoch, and there's no repercussions for that. Like there's no suspensions, there's no fine. Well, at least not verbally expressed. But you know, there's no like the dude was on the next pay per view, and then they bring in uh, Matt Cardona, and Matt Cardona's out there downplaying the NWA the entire time saying how it's broken, how it needs to be fixed and really putting down the NWA more so than anybody prior to him had done. And he's rewarded with a title shot, you know, loyalty, title. <laughs> yeah. Loyalty isn't rewarded in the NWA under the current regime. You know, uh, it just isn't. Yeah. Why isn't the Pope being uh, uh, rewarded? I mean, they talked about his opportunities against Matt Cardona. They talked about his opportunities uh, in, uh, to, to qualify for that title shot, the race for the chase triple threat match that they did. Well, I mean, Brian Myers cheated to win that match. And then when they threw Nick Aldis out of that title match, instead of maybe giving the Pope the opportunity or another match with, with another triple threat match to, to get that going, no, they're just going to give it to Tyrus. Who again? Tyrus wasn't here when uh, back in 2017. Tyrus wasn't here in 2019 either. Tyrus showed up uh, post pandemic 
And again, what was he given? Golden opportunity to, to compete for the television title. Loyalty is not rewarded. Yeah, I think uh, Tyrus would have been better beneficial with a golden shower. But either way, I I agree with you. It's it's well, I can't say. Maybe I disagree with you. Maybe it's loyalty to all his old friends. All his old friends have loyalty. Maybe none of his new friends do. I mean, you, you might be onto something. Um, DK, do you guys want to talk about uh, our uh, USA episode this week? Usa, Usa, Usa. Ooh. Oh no, wait a minute. That's Usa. Never mind. Wrong, wrong show. Yeah, DK. Let's talk about. Let's talk about NWA USA. NWA USA. And it started with a match in the ring, a tag team match. Player. Between player. <laughs> between Jack Stain and Magic Mike Dumbass. It's with, Jake Dumas. With uh, Christy James versus Brett Buffet. Buffet. Buffet, that's what I said. And uh, Billy Bob uh, Silas <laughs> with uh, Poya de Mar. And of course, there's no reason for Jackson and Jake Dumas to be teaming with each other. So that's why they put him in the tag team. So naturally, uh, Jackson doesn't show because, uh, you know, why would he? And so now uh, Dumbass, Dumbass and uh, Buffet are going to be in a handicap match. Or no, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Buffet and uh, Billy Bob are going to be in a, in a handicap match. match against Dumbass. And so, so, so Jaden, what do you think of the fact that there was a... Uh, Handicap match, first thing with these three competitors, Dumbass, uh, Buffet, and uh, Billy Bob. If I was in charge, I would have completely forgot about the Dumas, Dumbass part and just made Jack Stane win a handicap match and kill the two guys. That would have been good money. That would have been good television. Um, Of course, they do the opposite thing to good television, and they decide to put that match together. I didn't like the match, honestly. I didn't like anything about it. I didn't like nothing, and nothing involved impressed me. It was weird, and you know there was a point where dumbass was going for his dumb hat, and Christy had taken it, and then I couldn't figure that out, and then. Uh, what happened with uh, Billy Bob? Didn't he and didn't he and uh, Poyo disappear under the ring or something? Uh, apparently, it was makeout time or something. I don't know what the deal was. So then, dumbass ends up winning the match, and nobody cared. Not one person. Yeah, I think it was just a waste of television time. It was. I don't like the gimmick. I don't like stupid gimmicks. I don't like stupid wrestling. I don't like bad booking, and that's basically everything that it was. So, 
out comes Jack Stane's attorney, Spray Wyatt. Yes. We were wondering what happened to him. So out comes Jack Dane's uh, attorney, uh, Chris Silvio, Bo, Bo, Bo. And uh, he and Kyle tell Kyle Davis that Jack Dane's already fulfilled his contract things. And uh, Mercury shows up and starts talking, and I stop listening. Did you, did you mean Mercutio? Yeah, Mercury. That's what I said. And uh, he's trying to Mercury. take Tim Cornette's gimmick and do it in a, a completely less successful way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, I've long not, long when I've not gotten names right, it's been because my point was nobody cares. And You're nobody- both getting things wrong. A DK can't get the gimmick right, and Jay doesn't know how to put a hat on a hat. He just keeps putting on a different hat. I know how to put a hat on a hat. But Jay just Jay's gimmick tonight is hats. But anyway, he shows up in something about his visa because he's not worried about his visa because he uses MasterCard. I stopped listening. I don't know. Uh, Jaden, tell me how much you loved the second uh, the segment with uh, Mercury, Sevio, uh, and the difference between a work visa and a MasterCard. I uh, kept hitting the 10-second forward button until I got into some more wrestling, so that should probably tell you. <laughs> oh, man, you hit that button a lot. Yeah, it really did take a while to get there. Because then the next thing up was the Cardona family with Mae Valentine, which this was actually one of her better, more recent interviews with Mike Knox. Uh, putting down Bully Ray and talking about their tables match at 74th. I didn't listen that much. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they did a preview for Power. Talk about how uh, you know, the dinosaur Ricky Morton would be wrestling a wrecking ball. And of course, get your Fandu NWA belt. So then we finally had a second match. Real quick, on that NWA power, he's going to come in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Good job. Okay. okay. First of all, Jaden's never allowed to sing again, and he's certainly not allowed to sing Miley Cyrus. In fact, I don't like to allow Miley Cyrus to sing Miley Cyrus. So. Yeah, but Miley Cyrus sings everybody else pretty well. I mean, her version of Jolene's pretty great, and uh, I wish she would hear is pretty good. So her, her flaming lips with uh duet with uh straw was it strawberry fields? I think straw no uh Lucy and Sky with Diamonds. Her and Flaming Lips do a good rendition of that. Uh so anyway, so Jaden, after about 20 minutes of hitting his fast forward button, <laughs> finally stops at Jamie Stanley versus Casey Rocks with Aaron Stevens, and I'm just going to say here that I am already over Aaron Stevens in this particular role. And you sound like I, the WWE. What? 
you sound like the WWE. You're already over him. Everywhere yeah. he's been, he kind of burns out. And so I'm kind of done with this particular version of uh, Aaron Stevens. I don't know. What do you think of the match, Jamie? I think Jamie Stanley looks like he could actually do something and be something in this professional wrestling business. So, of course, they have him losing this match to a guy who I think I've taken craps bigger than, especially when I eat blueberries. And Aaron Stevens is kind of like if you order Polly dangerously on Wish right now. I got to use that joke twice in one in one Alliance Guys podcast. Um, yeah, I, you know, I do like Aaron Stevens, but I don't like him in this role. I don't understand why they're not pushing Jamie Stanley because it looks like he could actually do something. I thought that this might have been a contenders match for the junior heavyweight, but they didn't really mention anything like there. I don't know. Uh, wasted opportunity, and I wish Jamie Stanley was probably pushed better. I, I said the same thing a few weeks ago. I think Jamie Stanley's a guy who could be very versatile for the NWA and in a promotion that is severely lacking baby faces. That guy, I think, could kill as a baby face. I think he could get over and stay over. And you're right. I think that they're not using him in a very good way. That would be uh, mutually beneficial for both the NWA and himself. They actually seem to be moving him baby face, as we'll talk about more later. But, you know, Aaron Stevens did get the cheap shot, which allowed the win. But, yeah, uh, it was a match that I didn't know I wanted to see, and then I watched it, and then I knew I didn't want to see it. And so that was done. And then we had the main event, which was – Homicide versus PJ Hawks for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship. I bet and, that was good. You know what? Yeah. It, it actually started with a collar and elbow tie-up. Can you uh, believe that? Okay. And so, <coughs> tell me about this match. Tell me how you love this match. I actually did like this match. Homicide. Um, in the ring has become a major uh, bright spot in the NWA, in my opinion. He's always been a very good wrestler. I actually did enjoy this match. I think Hawk seemed a slightly off. I think he is maybe just coming back from injury. At least he was by the, at that point. But um, you know, I, I I liked it. I think it was a good win for Homicide. I think Hawk looked good in the showing, and maybe potentially could be a junior heavyweight champion in the future. I just. I don't know. I enjoyed the match, and I didn't have a doubt Homicide was winning, but I wasn't disappointed or in the fact that he did win. Yeah, it was a very good match between these two. It was a good main event. I think it showcased the junior heavyweights well. Uh, both of them have a lot of talent. Of course, we know uh, PJ is very good at working his amateur style into his pro matches so that it fits and it works well. A couple of small botches, but nothing to, you know, bring anybody. Nothing nothing a good editor could have found and fixed. Right. And nothing (laughs) to really bring anybody's neck over. And so uh, this is one of those cases, if you were were to ask me to rate the show, I'd tell you it's a good show. But I'd tell you it's a really good show if you only watch the main event. Yeah. 
Can we can we get just get a homicide wrestling three times on power? I mean on USA and eliminate some of the stupid stuff. We might actually get something worth watching. I mean, especially if they could uh, somehow manage to get Rhett Titus back on the show on a regular basis too. Well, I actually know for a fact Rhett's moving down to, into the Virginia area, so maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, so the TV tapings are happening in Nashville. So I don't know that being in Virginia makes it that much better. I mean, it's still an an air flight. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's if it's a much shorter drive from Virginia or from New Jersey. I'm not uh, stellar at geography, but uh, I, I still, you know, I don't think that Billy Corgan is not booking people because of airfare. I mean, half there, there's a uh, there was a, at one point half the roster was from California and they were doing the show in Atlanta. It didn't make any damn sense. Wait, you've tried to make sense out of what Billy does? Yes. I didn't say it was a, my best business decision, DK. I just said it's something I do. <laughs> I was going to say, and how is that working for you? All right, so that was USA. We had one good match. That There's five hours driving to savings, though, if he, if he drives to Nashville. So if that helps. Say, say that one more time. I didn't hear you. There's five hours that uh, the Rhett the Threat Titus would save driving from Virginia to okay. Nashville, if that helps. Okay. I mean, it certainly would, right? Certainly would. I don't think so. So, All right, tell, so me, tell me about power. So power, you know, this is weird dichotomy, man, because like you, you, what you guys mentioned on USA – the only thing that sounded good to me was that main event of PJ and uh, P- PJ and uh, Homicide. I mean, I like Jamie Stanley, but it didn't sound like that was much of a fun match either. Um, but but as I go here and I look at Power and you know watching it and really digesting it, some of the stuff was just uh, again, what are we doing here? Um, I mean, the show kicks off with an impromptu ladder match between Mike's Take Mike Knox. What's that? Tables match. Yeah, I was getting there. Oh, I said ladder match. Okay, sorry. You're you're right. Tables match between Mike Knox and Devin Graves. Now, Graves is a guy that we haven't really seen much of on our TV. In fact, he's only been in the NWA three other times before tonight. Uh, now, he is invited to be part of the NWA USA Tag Team Battle Royal, uh, where he, he teams with uh, his partner, Deontay. Now, the first time... We saw Graves. Uh, he was he lost to Miguel Robles. The second time we saw him, he lost to Rodney Mack. And then the third time we saw him, he was teaming with his said partner, Deontay. And then he lost to the Ill-Begotten. So to say that De- Devin Graves has had a, a huge victory road in, in uh, the NWA, well, that's just not accurate. Um, now, we know Mike Knox is going to be in a tables match, which I guess that's the reason why they decided to book this. But... See, I, I really feel like when you do this, when you like have a ladder match, to, or excuse me, a tables match, I keep saying ladder, when you have a tables match to build up to another tables match, I mean, the p- whole point of it, of, of these specialty matches is that it's accumulation of a feud of, uh, you know, two personalities that just don't like each other. And Devin Graves has done nothing to Mike Knox. Devin Graves is, is, a, is a, a speck in the grand chasm that is the NWA. He's a nothing, nobody, never will be. Um, you know, hopefully he proves me wrong. I don't mean to be a jerk about the guy, but he has nothing to do with Mike Knox. So why are we doing this in a ladder or 
Jesus, a table match. Why are we doing this isn't a table match? What's the point? It didn't build to this. It didn't, there, there, there's no reason to have this kind of a match. If you wanted to put them through a table after the fact or just have them lose the match by putting this kid through a table, then that would have been perfectly suffice and would have built towards that table match with uh, Bully Ray. But this was not that. It's like, why? This was dumb. And no, the match fair. itself, the match itself was dumb. Uh, again, we have VSK trash talking the entire time. The referee has no semblance of any kind of rules. It's just got to do whatever the hell there you want. There aren't any rules. Huh? Because there aren't any rules. What's the line, Jaden? Lazy booking. Yeah, talking about stealing from Jim Cornette. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, there are no rules because there's only one way to win the match. And see, here's what would happen. Let's say we brought Mike Knox out against Devin Graves in a regular match. They're both kind of bigger guys. And after getting a little bit frustrated with him, he yells at VSK, who sets up a table, brings it in the ring. Knox puts it through and gets disqualified. Because, you know, it because Mike Knox isn't caring about winning or losing. He's sending a message to you know, Bully Ray, I put you through a table. I put this big guy through a table. You know, I don't, what was it Ox Baker used to say? I like to hurt people. Yeah. You know, so, you know, there would be character development in Mike Knox that might make him almost interesting. If Mike Knox, since the time that he put Bully Ray through the table, if he'd had three or four matches where he basically beats him up and gets disqualified because he doesn't care about whether he wins or loses, he's just showing how he's going to beat the crap out of Bully Ray. See, that's character development. And then you go, I want this guy to get planted through a table and get beat up because he's taking advantage of these poor young guys. And now, you know, n- now I have an interest in the match because, you know, Bully Ray's, you know, old, but he's big and, you know, he might be able to handle him and he might be able to put him through a table. And so now I'm interested. But I'm watching him wrestle this guy I don't care about who doesn't win, who gets attacked by uh, VSK, and then they put him through a table. So, I mean, Jaden, just listening to that, just listening to uh, the description of the match there. I mean, which would you think that Dr. C would book? Would he, would, would he book a character development or would he book a, hey, here, here's a tables match because he's going to have one later? Uh, he probably wouldn't have booked either wrestler. But, uh, well, that's, you know, that's a. Talk about that. <laughs> We're going to go hypothetical on that situation. I think he would have actually booked, especially if he was doing television, long-term storyline and proper build-up to a match to make it worth something. Maybe even just afterwards, throw in every wrestler through a table afterwards just to build up that tables match. Because we all know that's the only thing apparently Bully Ray is known for is is throwing people through tables. But you know what? I don't think Bill, I think Bully Ray's at a huge disadvantage. He's never got the table himself. I know. There's no, there's, there's no oh, D-Bond L2. Yeah. So he might be at a huge disadvantage. He might not know where the tables are. 
Who and who is he going to call to help him? Devon retired. Hey, question. Question. Yes. Would you or would you not mark out if Devon came out and he yelled, "Get the table!" And all he does is set the table up ringside and walks out. No, I I think that would be a terrific spot. I don't think he's going to be doing it. I, I mean, I, I'm I not. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because I know it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, would you mark out if that did? Yes. I'd laugh harder if he just yelled, get your own damn table. <laughs> and then walked out. <laughs> That'd be great. I can't argue that. <laughs> uh, Media says, Media, Media says uh, that, that at the to- the roast of Ric Flair, that they called Bully Ray a racist for always asking Devon to get the table. <laughs> he never got it him damn self. Um, all right, so let's go back to uh, back to power. Um, obviously, Why? because that's what we do here. Um, the because next segment, because we're masochists. Yes, and now you know, and now you know the rest of the story. Um, now this part again, I didn't quite understand why Jordan Clearwater was ringside with uh, Black G's at the announce table. You had Kyle there, Kyle Davis at the podium. And so, like, you know, it starts off with Jordan Clearwater asking Kyle Davis to count his ribs. Like, ah, yeah, you're fit. You're good. You're good muscular dude. Okay, cool. What did I say? He said ribs. Oh, geez. Sorry. I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. Um, (laughs) uh, But the whole interview is focused on Scion, who's not there. And it's G's putting over Scion in his shot at Jack Staines in the National Heavyweight Championship. Now, what I did like about this is G's is pretty good at cutting a promo, right? And he kind of puts he, – he definitely puts over Jack Stain. Um, really sells the fact that he's a former world champion, former uh, two-time national champion, former tag champion, and really does a good job of explaining to you why Jack Stain is why he – who he is is why he is. Well, pointing out also that it's former. Yes, and that, and that was a good twist to it. But again, like this should have just been Black G's out there. I, I think having Jordan Clearwater out there took away from the promo. Um, you know, if you're going to have Clearwater there, Clearwater should have said something about uh, the match with uh, Joe Alonzo later in the night, but didn't even talk about it. They didn't even acknowledge it. So it's just one of those segments that I'm like, ah, you could have done better. Um, what Did you have anything you want to add to that one, DK? Well, he did such a good job of putting over Jack Dane, as well as Sion, but primarily, you know, uh, talking about Jack. But I was kind of surprised he didn't start the start the promo with "My name is." Yeah. Well, because okay. it was it was very much in that vein, and he did it very well. This what? was probably one of the first times that he did not annoy the crap out of me. What if? Hear me out. We see a separation of Idle Mania Sports Management and the church's money. And that night, night one, in that match, Black Cheese helps Jack Stane win that match. And, and now Black Cheese is now managing Jack Stane. And we have a, a separation between Tyrus and Sion, who are in Idle Mania, and Jordan Clearwater and uh, Marche Rocket and Jack Stane form another stable with, uh, with Black Cheese. What, what would you think about that? Uh, if Idol, if they had a loser must retire match where Idol lo- loses, <laughs> I 
and I don't mean that's I don't mean between each other. I mean, you know, between their whoever they're managing. Uh, I don't like idols, so I mean, I don't have a problem. If, I mean, I don't have a problem if they break them up, and they have kind of suggested that there is tension because Billy loves the tension. So uh, I could see it happen, and I don't have any major things. I don't trust him to actually tell a good story with it, but you know, I could see it happen. I didn't see this, but by the description, it sounds like uh, knowing what I know about G's too, it sounds like they're setting up the new national champion, Scion, because you know, you build up the wrestler that you're going to beat, so that way you beat somebody so you look like a bigger person. Right. Yeah. No, and, and, and you're 100% right. I know that that's that old school mentality. The promo is like, if you beat a loser, then what are you bragging about? You beat a loser. You should have beat the loser. But when you put them over and say, hey, you're a great competitor, and I'm gonna, you're going to test me to my limit, but at the end of the day, I'm going to beat you. Like, that's, that's, that's a hell of a lot better to uh, hang your hat on. Um, but let's, let's get to the next segment. We got May Valentine in the back with the Pope. Uh, May asked the Pope if he has a chance of beating Murdoch. I really don't like the way they've changed, uh, May's delivery where she used to be kind of this, like, um, she used to be a very sweet person who like maybe would say something incorrectly to kind of insult somebody. But now I feel like they're just doing it on purpose. And like, what kind of question are you asking a wrestler? Can you beat, do you have any chance of beating this wrestler? Well, if they didn't think they had a chance of beating that wrestler, they wouldn't be there. Well, I mean, that's part of competition, right? Not necessarily. A lot of guys fought Mike Tyson knowing they were going to get their ass kicked. Okay, but this isn't Mike Tyson. a big payoff. Well, sure, but this isn't Mike Tyson. And, And we're talking about Trevor Murdoch, who let's face it, has been beaten for that title. It's not like we're talking about somebody who's never lost a match or somebody who's unbreakable. Like, he's he's, he's lost. And so, um, I don't know. I just, it felt very rude to me. Um, well, well, here's the difference. May used to ask questions that fans were thinking. Yeah. That would, yes, they could be, like, rude in their nature, like telling Chris Adonis, well, you never defend your national title. But that's what all the fans are thinking. Now she's just kind of asking these weird questions, but the fans aren't necessarily thinking to themselves. They all sit there and go, go I don't know, does Pop think that he can actually beat Murdoch? Some of us, you know, wanting about three to six months for Pope to beat Murdoch. <laughs> Yeah, and everything. So I, I don't know. I'm not. I haven't been a fan of how they're using her, and we'll get more into that again later in the show. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's again let's jump to let's finish this up. Uh, you know, again, since losing the TV title, Pope has lost to Mike Knox. He's lost to Matt Cardona. And he's lost to Brian Myers all in singles action. Uh, the only victory he has since losing the TV title was against Colby Carino. So, uh, you know, Pope needs to look strong tonight. 
and we'll get to that later, obviously. Uh, next well, up, we get. I have a question. I actually now I'm curious about. Sure. Is uh, May Valentine really dating single Aaron? I don't think so. Uh, not to my knowledge. Because that, no, you know, I, to be perfectly honest, I'm not even one hundred percent sure how May identifies. Oh. I know that in the past May's had boyfriends. Um, I know she has, but she's also hinted towards having girlfriends. Well, <laughs> so, hey, well, I mean, she's never like come out directly and said it. I'm just saying I don't know. It's 2022, man. Lighten up. Anyways, um, we get. I'm Recky- just saying I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was teasing. Uh, we get Wrecking Ball Ligurski versus Ricky Morton. I know this is the match we've all been waiting for. Um, again, like. Highs and lows, man. Last week, I really felt power was a good show, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I do not want to watch a 60-year-old man wrestle, period. I don't care if you're Ric Flair. I don't care if you're Ricky Morton or Hulk Hogan or – no, there comes a time when it's time to hang them up and and leave them hung up. I don't want to see a 60-year-old wrestle. What's worse than that is I don't want to see somebody in their prime bumping for a 60-year-old. I just don't. So before this match even started, I didn't even want to watch it. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't entrenched in this match like I probably should have been. Um, The announcers keep saying that Ricky demanded this match to teach the wrecking ball some respect. Come on, old man. That's not how it works these days. You're not going to get someone to respect you anymore. Uh, You're, you're, you know, illustrious career that should have ended in 1995 and hung on even longer than it should have. Uh, you know, that's great, but you're 20, at least 25 years past your prime. And I, that's being generous. And uh, I, I don't ever need to see Ricky Morton in the ring again. I keep saying that and they keep putting his ass back in the ring. So uh, stop saying it then. Yeah. Right. Well, the match seems to be all Ligurski, Um for whatever reason. He, he's going to really hurt Ricky Morton this time. So he pulls off the turnbuckle pad and then in an effort to smash Morton into it. However, the Wiley veteran moves out of the way. Wrecking Ball gets backfired, and Morton gets the win. DK, your thoughts on this one? I don't want to get my thoughts on this one. Uh, well, first of all, I do want to do one thing. I want to go back to the – we talked about uh, the Pope's uh, interview with uh, with May, and let's, let's do give Pope credit for giving a very tantalizing – Energetic, popular uh, promo. The Pope was Pope, so he, he was he was great as usual for his promo. So, despite what May had to say, he did well. I did not care about this match. I barely watched the match. I think I went to the kitchen to make a sandwich or bacon or you know something manly or whatever. And, I come back. I come back just in time to watch Wrecking Ball take the turnbuckle off and the whole. And of course, as soon as that happened, I knew what was going to happen. And it was just, please stop putting uh, Ricky Morton in the ring. Ricky Morton, please stop getting in the ring. I mean, you're only like, you're close to Ric Flair and people were 
scared about Ric Flair getting in the ring at 70, whatever he is. And, you know, Ricky Martin's like, what, 10 years behind him? I mean, he's he, he's getting to that point. Nobody wanted to see Ric Flair in the ring when he was in his 60s. And it's just bad. It, 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 it's bad in that the matches are bad. And he's 65. He is freaking 65 years old. He's eight years younger than... Rick Flair. So any idiot out there that's saying Rick Flair should not be stepping in the ring needs to be talking about Ricky Morton should not be stepping in the ring. But He's 65 is the new 40. Yes, but 65 in a day is the new 103. And so, you know, Rick Flair's already walking back his last match comments. So. He. Did you guys hear, and I know this is off topic, but since we were talking about Flair, that they said he has passed out twice in that match due to dehydration. I don't need to see these old men die in the ring. I don't want that. Well, that's the claim. I don't know how true it is or isn't. But... I don't know. I think Terry Funk coming out of retirement might draw a few crowds. Oh, Jesus Christ. The guy's suffering from dementia. That would probably not make him any different than the way it normally was. Real quick, media, because you asked, or because you brought up Judo Jean LaBelle, he actually passed away on Tuesday night. Um, uh, I was at Championship Wrestling from uh, Irvine, uh, the United Wrestling Network show, and uh, Dave Marquez, who um, does did know Judo Jean LaBelle. Um, Dave Marquez kind of grew up working at the uh, at the uh, uh, Grand Olympic Auditorium. His his family were vendors uh, many 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 years ago. So he he knew Gene LaBelle um, and, and knew him quite well actually. And and he had been sick for a while. Uh, I even asked Dave. I said, "So where do you think that LaBelle Library is? Because that's like a, a very um, highly spoken about uh, video vault." And, and he says he thinks it's in a salt mine in Utah somewhere, which. That sounds crazy to me, but that's that's been a rumor that's been going around for a while, I guess. But yeah, he passed away. I think he was like ninety six years old. I, I might be wrong on the age, but he was up there. He was he was also uh, battling sickness. As well. I want to make one small correction though for a lot of people. A lot of people talk about how he was the promoter for you know the old NWA thing there in the area. He wasn't the promoter. It was his brother. Mike LaBelle. Mike LaBelle. Who was the and that actually, it was Eileen Eaton who was the promoter for many, many years. Uh, their mom, which that that's a crazy story in and of itself. That that That's a made-for-TV movie right there. But uh, and, and by the way, everybody hated Mike LaBelle. Yeah. Well, Mike LaBelle sold out to McMahon. Um, you know, like a lot, a lot of the territories did back in the day. And that family made a lot of money off the deal that they signed with Vince. Uh, yeah, they pay it to him. What's that? Did he actually pay it? He didn't actually pay it to him, if I recall correctly. Oh, I, he I stepped him on that money. <laughs> I, I heard different, but you know, he might have paid him. It was the hearts that he that he didn't. He ended up not paying. I heard that uh, they got paid very handsomely for the market. So. Um, but let's let's jump back into uh, more NWA power. Uh, 
next up we get Jamie Stanley in the back who now this makes a little bit more sense after hearing you guys talk about USA. He's in the back and this time he's the one doing the interview and he's interviewing May Valentine and Aaron Stevens. Um, how the turntables have churned. Um, Stanley is asking May the stupid questions this time. And, uh, and again, like, you know, the, now that I know what this is connected to, it makes a little bit more sense. But before I knew that I was like, well, what, why are we watching this? This isn't adding entertainment value to me. And it's not perpetuating a match, but maybe it is now that now that we've talked about it. But Stanley asks May if Stevens thinks he's better than him, which May replies, he is better than you. And then Stevens replies with May's right. And that's the end of the segment. That's it. Now, again, Jamie Stanley, I think, is entirely underutilized. And if this is building to some sort of match between the two, then now I kind of understand that they maybe were planting seeds. But in his role right now, Stevens is mostly retired, and Jamie Stanley's a young dude who should definitely be wrestling every week. So, uh, DK, what would you think of this one? It had one very good quality. It ended? It was short. Oh. Well, outside of that, I wish I had sneezed, so I had missed it. Yeah. It just wasn't wasn't very good, and again, that like you know, this is a, a program that we're sorry, guys. Apparently, it's, it's nothing that... to sneeze at. <laughs> it's a program that we're paying for, you know. And I, I mean, I granted this is a free on YouTube, but we talked a few weeks ago about oh yeah, if Billy's shopping this, I mean, what is he shopping? Because I, I I can't think a network a network executive could see this. And see whatever numbers are pulling on YouTube, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. And the numbers are pulling on fight and go, yeah, you know what? I am going to pick up this show and I'm going to pay you a million dollars for it. Like, that's not going to happen. It's not. Maybe he's shopping it to cure insomnia. I I do want to have one response here to the chat. Dodie goes, 9,000 people want to see Ric Flair in the ring in the 70s and not counted the pay-per-view buyers. I don't agree with that statement. There may have been 9,000 people there and they may have had a large gate and they may have done decent pay-per-views uh, numbers. I don't know one way or the other, but I would tell you that Ric Flair was probably the smallest amount of the thing. Let's not forget that they had the StarCast stuff and all the uh, special people coming in and doing things. And they actually had one hell of a card. And I was actually interested in the card and would have watched it if it had not been for Ric Flair. <laughs> in the thing. I mean, seriously. I Yeah, no, I got you. I told people, you know, I go, I could not pay to support that. So, and I know other people who felt the same way. And and not by a small number. There are a lot of people who said that they could not, you know, they were interested in the card, but they could not, you know, pay and support Ric Flair being in that match, whether he did or didn't pass out because of dehydration and blood loss or whatever else. So, so yeah, they put together a good card, and they proved that a good card can draw. But you know. If you had put just a standard BS show 
indie show together and put that on top. I don't, I don't think you get half that. Um, next up, we get Jordan Clearwater uh, taking on Joe Alonzo. Now, I implore any of you who uh, like Jordan Clearwater, what you see of him in the NWA, to go check out New Japan Strong, to go check out uh, Championship Wrestling, uh, United Wrestling Network, and watch Jordan Clearwater actually wrestle. Um, now, this was a good match. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's not. But you get a different Jordan Clearwater outside of the NWA. And I get why he does the goofy stuff, the hip swivel and all that. And it, it's it's a lot of tchotchke style of wrestling. But, uh, you know, you go watch Jordan Clearwater in championship wrestling. Since he's won the United Wrestling Network World Championship, he's fought Frankie Kazarian, Chris Adonis, and most recently Colt Cabana. Well, Colt Cabana is a former NWA World Champion. Uh, Frankie Kazarian, I don't think he held an Impact World title, but was an X-Division champion, held the tag titles in Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, Chris Adonis, former NWA national champion, two-time. Uh, you know, his style of competition keeps increasing. He's wrestling dudes that are, are making him better in the ring. And it, it's so refreshing to actually watch him have good wrestling. Now, this is the first time I remember seeing Jordan Clearwater wrestle in a singles match in a while. Um in fact, he hasn't won a singles a singles match in over a year in the NWA. Like, not a single match. And he hasn't even had that many single t- uh, single matches in the NWA. And most of the time he's there, you know, being like the sidekick to Tyrus or being the sidekick to Marche or whatever. But, like, the kid can wrestle. Let him wrestle. Uh, we see that tonight. Uh, him and Alonzo put on a really good match. Joe Alonzo is, like, uh, just desperate for attention. He's telling the Joe Galley to follow him on the social media. Uh, and I think Alonzo might be a future star for the NWA. I, I feel like Clearwater could be a bigger star for them right now if they if they keep putting him in matches like this. Um, the church's money, Black G's, gets involved just ever so slightly, not enough to really take it away from the show, take it away from the match. Uh, so, so, you know, Jordan Clearwater mostly gets a clean victory with his Midas touch. And this is probably the best match, the best part of the show that I've seen so far. DK, your thoughts? Yeah. (laughs) Winning Winning the world title for United Wrestling Network has probably been beneficial for his career in the NWA in the sense that he's at least been being booked better. Not as good as he is in the other promotions, but at least better. And uh, Matthew Underwood. Well, weird how these AEW guys book with David, not Billy. Well, no, not really. Uh, one, Billy's not as interested in him. And two, he and Tony are currently having a little bit of a tift. And so he's back to it. And three, they have some history with David Marquez, too. Yeah, I mean, there's also... So far, most of these guys that have come in do have history with Dave Marquez. Frankie Kazarian and uh, Dave Marquez worked together in the early pro wrestling guerrilla, also in uh, UPW. Uh, same thing with Chris Adonis. And then uh, uh, Colt Cabana, obviously. I mean, Colt Cabana was Dave Marquez's world champion on multiple occasions and took him to China to wrestle against Nick Aldis. But also there's a pipeline there, too, between Hollywood and uh, AEW. A lot of the talents uh, – 
just recently we saw the uh, some members of the wing bin show up in the uh, United Wrestling Network. Um, I can't remember his name right now. You guys are going to kill me. Uh, he's one of the wingmen, but he's like the, uh, the silver fox of the group. He's got the flat top with the salt and pepper in his hair. You guys know who I'm talking about or no? You don't watch it. I don't watch it, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, but like there's, you know, uh, Matthew Underwood said Ryan Nemeth, but uh, no, the he's a huskier guy from, I think he's from like West Virginia. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. J.D. Drake. J.D. Drake. He had a great match with Pablo Esco just a few weeks ago um, that they filmed. I think it'll be on TV this week. Uh, you know, obviously Peter Avalon is still helping to produce the show uh, that uh, championship wrestling. And they had a uh, Caesar. Um, I, I'm not going to say his last name, right? The guy from, uh, from Brazil, Cesar something or other from, and he's great too. They all had a, who's booking it. Who's the booker out there now? Uh, well, you well, for a while it was Aaron Stevens, but I think it's it's Peter Avalon now. I think uh, he Peter Avalon back. Over. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I, curious. I remember I remember that Stevens was booking, and then it just I never kind of heard anything. And I just with the NWA split and everything, I wasn't sure how long that would. Uh... I mean, I I think it's still a positive relationship between Dave Marquez and Aaron Stevens, but I I do know Aaron Stevens has publicly said that he's looking to do different things now. And I know recently he's been at two different wrestling schools, one in Canada and one recently, I think in the Dominican Republic, or maybe um, in one of the Caribbean uh, uh, islands where they were, they were doing uh, pro wrestling, like not really training, but like um, seminars and stuff. So, I mean, he, he's on a different path right now. I don't know that he wants to be tied down to any one promotion and, you know, I don't know what his future is with the NWA either, but well, that was uh, kind of like with James Storm, even you know, James James Storm when he left the NWA, you know, made it very clear he didn't have any problems working with the uh, NWA, but that he just didn't want to be uh, tied to any given promotion. And uh, getting back to Clearwater in this match, you know, real quick, real quick, Caesar Bononi, Bonani. Whatever. Okay, go ahead. Uh, that just getting back into the, you know he, you know he looked better than he's looked, and you know his gimmick's a little bit of a take on the Rick Rude gimmick, and you know, hell, why not? And I mean, certainly enough people use gimmicks based on you know older wrestlers and former wrestlers and stuff like that. I'm not one of those purists that thinks, you know, nobody can use the hammer because Greg Valentine was called the hammer. And, uh, <clears throat> yes, I have met people in the wrestling business who are that petty. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the so I saw someone here talk about Clearwater should be the TV champion or whatever. And, you know, maybe, I guess it was Matthew. And, you know, maybe after he drops the, the United Wrestling title, because it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird. I don't know that it's one thing for your champion not to be recognized and to win or lose matches like a, uh, Ty Valkyrie or whatever, 
but it's something else when it's like, here's my world champion. Oh, but over here in this other organization, they hold like the third level title. And I just, you know, I, I don't think you want that. It's one thing after you're, you've had your run with them and you know, you're done or whatever, but, uh, I don't even know where Watts is anymore, Willie. I don't know that he wrestles. He's he, uh, very few and far between matches, mostly SoCal Indies. And uh, why is Bill Watts still wrestling? He's like in his nineties. <laughs> I think that one. I think that Watts is dead. We're talking about his son Eric. Oh no! Uh, anyway, uh, the weird thing. Well, he. he he was older too, wasn't he? I mean, he wasn't. Watts. Yeah. Was he uh, Watt, I mean, Watts is about the same age as Willie Mack. I mean, the, the age isn't too far off. They kind of broke in around the same time. Well, Willie ain't no spring chicken either, but <laughs> no, no. But I, see, you say that right. But I, I've been watching Willie Mack wrestle since like almost the beginning. So it's like. When you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been watching Willie Mack wrestle for years, but like now it's like decades, you know, like 15 years. I think uh, I've been watching Willie Mack wrestle. I mean, because Willie Mack was already pretty well established when Pierce was champion the first time. You know, look how long it's been since Pierce was champion. My yeah. point is, I think you know a lot of people don't realize wrestlers don't necessarily officially retire or whatever. They, you know, a lot of them just kind of cut back and cut back and then stop working. You know, even our co-host Kevin, you know, I ended up being at his last match, not because it was his last match, but because he just stopped wrestling after it. He'll probably have one in his 50s now that he has a kid just to show his kid that he can wrestle. Uh, (laughs) The Goldberg? Yeah. All right, so let's. I mean, we're getting close. We're, we're over the two hour mark, so let's kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, no, because then we'd have to go back to the show. Well, the show was, you know, now you're at the the part of the show where it gets better. Um, so we have May Valentine in the back with Angelina Love. Uh, now this is the May Valentine that I I remember. This is the May Valentine that I enjoy. And she just asked her, "Hey, what's your aspirations here in the NWA? We know that your best friend Velvet Sky that you you had tag team titles with." Uh, that she's not active anymore. She's retired. You know, what are your aspirations? And, and love is like, she wants to, she wants a shot at the, the, at the Burke. She's a seven time women's world champion. Again, I hate the fact that they borrow from impact, but okay. So we're going to recognize her seven world titles and impact. Um, and that she hints, well, the hints drop really quick. She totally just points out that velvet sky still has a opportunity, that championship series opportunity from last year that uh, hasn't been used yet. And if Velvet Sky uh, is going to go talk to, excuse me, uh, Angelina Love is going to go talk to Velvet Sky about perhaps maybe using that since Velvet Sky isn't going to use that. Uh, I thought it was a decent promo. Again, that was the end. That was the main Valentine that I've appreciated in the past. DK, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird how they zigzagger in and out of, being an actual uh, backstage interviewer and being a caricature. But yeah, it was a better one. Uh, I'm not the biggest Angelina Love fan, but I thought she did well. And what she said made sense. And even talking about 
Velvet Skies championship opportunity that she could bestow on someone and things like that. They have teased a little bit of dissension between Sky and uh, Love. So it would be interesting to see if Sky would be willing to use her title her title cash in for Love or Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that Billy Corgan's booking dissension among people? No, no, I would never say that because we know that never happens. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, but, you know, it would be interesting to see if, you know, of maybe on night one or night two or after a particularly brutal match, if uh, they wouldn't try to cash in on, uh, on Camille or, Taya or whoever, Maxine Paler. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's finish this up. The final match of the night uh, is the the non-title match. Now, before they get to the ring, Kyle Davis now has the Pope at the podium. So it's two promos for the Pope in one night. And usually that's a good thing. But, again, I just – continuity, man. It's just – I don't know. It doesn't feel like it matches. So uh, basically he says that Trevor asked for this – that he's going to give it to him. Um, he kind of says, like, you know, even even tires go flat sometimes. You just need to put some air in them. And, uh, I mean, I, that's kind of an interesting analogy there, that uh, they're still friends, just that relationship slightly strained, but they'll get back to it at some point. Um, right off the bat, Trevor is very aggressive in this match. He's forcing Pope into the corner. Uh, the referee literally has to pull Murdoch off of the Pope. And I, that's something you traditionally see in, like, a heated feud but this is a, a situation where the Pope still thinks that he's friends with Murdoch and, and he doesn't really understand why they've had this falling out. And Murdoch is not really one to give a lot of answers. Um, the match goes from parts where it looks like it would be a clean bout to it just being anything but that. Um, but it, it, what we, the general consensus is that, you know, Murdoch is just not going to give Pope the match that Pope wants. And it's going to be a lot more aggressive and a lot rougher. Um, I kind of felt like the Pope was outmatched during a lot of this match. And at some point, the match spills out to the outside where they continue to battle. Um, and minutes away from Trevor getting to pile drive his former buddy, his former pal, uh, he just lets him go. And he kind of collapses on the concrete. He sets him down, and the match ends in a countout. A very peculiar way to end it. And I don't know if that means that there's going to be some sort of unity down the road or if this is just, just more condescension between the ranks. And maybe maybe Pope will be the guy, not Jax, not not uh, Tom Latimer, but maybe Pope will be the next guy to challenge Trevor Murdoch. I thought it was a good match, but like I said, I, I, it just seemed a little weird to have the ending that it had. That it had. Uh, Pope definitely needed a victory tonight, but I guess Trevor Murdoch couldn't go into the 74th anniversary show with a, with a loss. DK, what did you think of this one? I enjoyed the match. Uh, I think once Pope got going, he looked good. Once he accepted the style of match that it was, he had Murdoch nearly beat a couple times. I didn't fully understand the ending. The argument was that Murdoch didn't throw him over the top, but it kind of looked to me like he did. Yeah. But they're saying he just dropped him on the top rope and he went over on his own, but 
to me, it looked like he kind of helped him go over intentionally or not. Yeah. And so I was kind of expecting the DQ there, but instead they just go out. Uh, Pope seemed partly alive by the time Trevor was picking him up for the pile driver. But then when he chose not to do it, he looked like he was, you know, unconscious. And so I was a little confused as to what happened there. Maybe maybe Trevor didn't wash his gear. Or farted. I don't know. Something happened. (laughs) Took care of Pope. And uh, the referee counted to 20. And they tried to explain why it was a 20 count instead of a 10 count, but they never actually finished their statement. But again, it had something to do with because Pope went, you know, went out by momentum instead of choosing to go out or something like that. It didn't make, like I said, they didn't finish the statement. It didn't make a lot of sense the way they started. It was almost like they realized they weren't making sense, so they just decided not to <laughs> complete the statement. And uh, and look, to me, 20 counts were fine. Uh, World Class used a 20 count. World Class actually had a very weird rule that they would occasionally put in there. In World Class, if you were on the ring, but out of the ring, like, you know, when they stick their heads through, you know, the middle and top rope, or if they're standing out on the apron, that was a 10 count. But if you were on the floor, that was a 20 count. And uh, ROH used 20 counts, which started with pure, and then they put into the thing. And so I don't really have a problem with a 20 count on the ring. If you if you actually count 20 and, you know, correctly and, you know, don't let them out there for five minutes before you start the count. I think it's a good way to get, you know, probably 30, 40 seconds of outside the ring activity. Because, I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with them yelling out, hey, get back in the ring, get back in the ring. Okay, now I'm going to start counting. But, uh, so, yeah, the, the ending was weird for me in the sense that I thought Murdoch should have been disqualified. I didn't understand why he wasn't disqualified, and I didn't understand why they counted 20, and I didn't understand why Pope went from woozy but conscious to unconscious laying on the thing. And to me, that distracted from the idea that Trevor Murdoch was going through a personal struggle about whether he should pile drive Pope on the concrete or not. And... I wasn't worried about that as much as I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. But get back to the match in the ring. I thought the match in the ring was a good match. I'd like to see these two uh, run it back in actual, you know, an actual title match or develop a feud that would be interesting. But again, I have no faith that Billy will do it. So that's my thoughts on the show altogether. So, uh, Jane, you didn't watch the show, but what did you think about our review? What do you think? Did uh, did anything that sound that we said sound interesting? Anything sound worth uh, checking out on Friday? Uh, probably not. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think I've watched a power power. 
um, on YouTube yet. I've always just kind of watched USA because at least it's first run, and I can sometimes watch it before the Alliance guys can happen. Yeah. I can't watch it, and after hearing the review, you guys don't really sell it to me. <laughs> I know it's not your job. So nothing really comes out of my way to try to make me want to watch it. We would if it was worth selling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we there, there's been episodes here where I'm pounding to my chest and even DK is rallying behind the NWA and like, this is the show that we want to watch every week. And then, and then, and then that doesn't happen for a couple of weeks. And it's like, they give us these teases, these tastes of what good wrestling is. And then they, and then they take it away. And, and I mean, you could do that too. Every, you know, every couple of months, they give us a pay-per-view that usually is really good. Most of the pay-per-views, have been worth uh, the price of watching power alone, but uh, yeah, it just, it doesn't, it's not consistent at all. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think Kurt Hennings is good of a seller to make me want to watch power right now. Um, and here's the thing that's really scary. Bookers over time, they kind of burn out and kind of get to a point where they're nothing. They do is any good and they need to get away. Um, so you guys have that to look forward to with Billy Corgan. <laughs> He's never. It gets, it gets worse. So, uh, I heard there's also another event that's happening on, on August 27th in beautiful, rustic Glassboro, New Jersey. Tell us about Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators and what's going on that weekend. Do you mean on Saturday night, August 27th, at the Max Fit Sports Center, located at 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown? Rustic Glassboro, New Jersey. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah, I thought so. You're going to see the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators Heavyweight Championship on the line as Busky Eric Martin takes on the Alpha Dog Adam Chandler. A couple of big beefy guys beating the hell out of each other. And that's not even on the uh, I get DK a little too excited right there. But seeing guy, two guys who look like professional wrestlers actually beat wrestling each other and, and beating the crap out of each other, that sounds like something that's good for the business, in my opinion. So that match is going to happen. You're going to see a WWGP heavyweight champion as the World Wrestling Grand Prix champion, Chris Steeler, takes on Bill Bain. Bill Bain is a very accomplished veteran around the area, has worked for WWE, has worked for Impact, has wrestled some of the, against some of the best, most talented wrestlers in the country. Was even a conquistador one time. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be taking on uh, Chris Steeler. I'm really looking forward to that match. They have the old school empire defending the dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators tag team championship and an open challenge. You have the Staten Island guy. Yeah. Again, a guy who's been in there with some of the top wrestlers in this world and the country. You have um, the old school umpire defending the dog tag team championship in an open challenge. You have the I quit match between Nico Ricos and Ty Thomas. They've been feuding for a, almost the entire year now, and it's going to come to an end. And then I quit match. Two wrestlers come in, and the only way to end the match is to make the other one say I quit. So that's worth it. Going to be honestly alone. You can see all these great wrestlers plus Daredevil Dave Dahl on Saturday night, August 27th, Max Fit Sports Center. Check out www.dogprowrestling.com. I'm sure it's updated with the poster and everything. And um, get all the information. If you want to ask how good it is, ask Dave Scooby. He's been to a dog event. 
And I think everybody, it's worth the drive. Wherever you guys live, drive all the way to Glassboro, New Jersey, or fly, or take a boat, or train. You can walk if you want. Automobile, just go to the dog show. Events. Dog doesn't run shows. We run events. (laughs) But it's well worth it. You should come in. Tickets are only $20. And the MaxFit Sports Center is air-conditioned. Apparently, that is an anomaly in in the uh, South Jersey wrestling area. And that's why Dog is the number one wrestling promotion. I do know Magic. Magic is a very nice guy. Very big guy. And um, very talented on the mic. So that's going to... Uh, oh, DK, how could folks follow you on the socials? At DKMFWTX. But you probably only want to follow me on Twitter. Hey, I do want to point out something that James Jackson said real quick. He goes, they should... There should just be... Uh, Six times a pay-per-view year company, a year pay-per-view company, and did weekly TV, and I almost think that would. You said that you think he's one hundred percent right, and I think it would probably be better. But knowing them, they'd do something weird, like you know, have four weeks of TV before the pay-per-view, and then just. Not Take time <laughs> off for most of the year. That sounds like some stupid thing Billy Corgan would probably do. You know, or, or what makes things worse? What about like a return of Carnyland? You know, there's a reason that Carnyland killed the NWA. So they uh, brought the like... pandemic on. Apparently, real quick, <laughs> I got one more thing I want to hype. Yeah, hype. Make sure you check out the Bucket for Rent uh, YouTube and and Twitch account. Buckets for Hi. Rent. Instagram. Instagram, that too. Make sure to check that all out because there's some really funny jokes. Or at least <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Jake keeps trying to convince me. Uh, and then, well, there's hey, jokes. Funny. <laughs> there's a, that's good. Uh, real quick, uh, the end of the poll uh, with a whopping 66% uh, of nine votes. Uh, avocados are good. Yeah, like people that. that like testicles, apparently. And with that being said... We're going to go ahead and end this show. Thank you to everyone who uh, has hung out with us. Again, it's really a thrill each and every week to talk to you guys, the NWA fam, about uh, the news and information of of what's going on. So we'll see you guys uh, next week, uh, Monday for the pre-party, or excuse me, Tuesday for the pre-party, Wednesday for the other guys, and then uh, Thursdays for the OGs. We'll see you. We'll see you then at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.